Hi, I'm Joseph Feraldi. I want to thank you for joining us here at Bayside Chapel Online. Our prayer is that today's service will be a blessing to you, that it will encourage you in your journey with Jesus Christ, and it will help you to see all that God has in store for you. We would love to hear from you on how God is using this ministry to bless you, and we'd love the opportunity to pray for you. Just send us an email at amen at baysidechapel.org. Remember that you can stay in touch with us at any time. Just visit the App Store and search for our app at Bayside Chapel of NJ. Also, if God is using this ministry to bless you, we'd like to give you the opportunity to partner with us financially. Simply go online to BaysideChapel.org or use the Bayside Chapel app and choose whatever option works best for you. Enjoy today's message. Why do we do what we do as a church? Right, why do we organize over a hundred volunteers who pour countless hours into serving the special needs community in our region that hoping that they'll hear the voice of Jesus through our words or feel the touch of Jesus through our touch? Or do we do it in hopes of getting the church's name in the local paper? Or do we do it to make Jesus known? Why do we invest resources in an event like Night to Shine, right? Or a ministry like Wonderfully Made, right? Because we do this because of some social obligation or because well, we like to consider ourselves good philanthropists? Or do we invest our resources in these things because we're compelled by the love of Jesus and convinced that his gospel is the only way of salvation and the only hope for a lost and dying and a hurting world? Right? Are we motivated to do what we do as a church for ourselves or to make God's kingdom expand in our region, expand in our communities? Why do we, as a local church, do the things we do? Now, if you've already looked through the 2022 annual report, there are some really exciting things in there, and you could pick one up on the way out. You could also find it in the app, but... As I was looking that over, I couldn't help but ask that question. Why did we do all these things that we did last year in 2022, right? Why did we donate over 130 winter coats for families in need? Or why did we send 593 uh, Christmas boxes uh, through Operation Christmas Child for kids who won't get a gift otherwise and kids who won't have had the opportunity to hear the gospel otherwise? Why do we give over... $51,000 to our benevolence fund last year, enabling us to cover some bills for those who are going through financial hardship. Why do we operate a ministry like Treehouse, right? Giving teenagers a Christ-centered safe space to find hope and healing and belonging. Why do we prioritize children's outreach events like VBS, which hosts over 430 kids, during a week in the summer? Or, or why do we do something like Fall Fest, which welcomes thousands of people every fall into our building? Why do we do the things we do? Why do we support 20 missionaries and 20 missions organizations around the world? Why did we give over 90,000 last year to missions? 36,000 of which went to help Ukraine. See, this question of why is simply a question of purpose. 
right? It's a question that exposes purpose. It reveals the, the driving force that compels us to do the things that we do, whether individually or as a church, right? So the why is really a question of purpose. Why do we exist? What's, what's our purpose? What is our mission? Well, 10 plus years ago, we uh, asked and answered that question and we articulated it this way. We said our mission is to bring glory to God by leading people into fruitful relationships with Jesus Christ. Our mission, Bayside Chapel's mission, is to bring glory to God first. And how do we do that? By leading people into fruitful relationships with Jesus Christ. That's, that's our why. That's our, our statement of purpose for why we exist as a church, for why we do what we do. We do it for his glory. We do it for his good purposes. So we exist for God's glory. What brings God the most glory? When people are developed into fruitful disciples. So everything that we do as a church, every outreach event, every ministry, every life group, every Sunday morning gathering, every dollar given, every minute invested, everything we say and do as a church is all for the purpose of establishing developing and deploying and multiplying fruitful relationships with Jesus Christ for God's glory. This is the unchanging mission that God has given Bayside Chapel. It remains unchanged. It will remain unchanged. But what about our vision? What's the difference between our mission and our vision? See, our mission is our statement of purpose for why we exist. So our vision then is a, is a picture of our preferred future, that God is going to lead us toward as we respond in faithfulness to the mission that he's given us. So for the past 12 months, many of you, hundreds of you, have been so faithful in your prayers, your prayers discerning um, God's vision for where he wants to take Bayside Chapel in the next season. Over 100 of you have contributed to the vision process so far. We're currently in our fifth round of reworking and rewording uh, some of the things in the vision document where we're, we're kind of just painting the picture as God just begins to unveil the beautiful portrait that he's painting for us. And as he lets us in on more, we're, we're writing it down and, and following his leading. See, but what God has made clear so far through a lot of vision discussions that we've had, through vision meetings, through vision plannings, through, through prayer, through different ideas, and even dreams that were shared uh, amongst a bunch of us. What God has made clear is that there are three vision priorities we need to pay attention to. Three things that we need to continue to focus on moving forward as a church. Three irreducible aspects of who God has called us to be as a church and what God has called us to do as a church. So God's desire for Bayside Chapel is to become like Jesus through discipleship. God's desire is to advance the gospel throughout our region and to overflow with generosity through leadership multiplication. All right, so three vision priorities, becoming, advancing, and overflowing. Now, last week, we looked at our first one in our revision series. Last week, we looked at the becoming, becoming like Jesus. So what do we mean by this? Well, we simply mean that we want to see God transform every man, every woman, every child, everybody who calls Bayside Chapel home, and we want God to take them along a pathway toward spiritual maturity and spiritual growth and discipleship. So this, uh, this aspect of our vision has everything to do with the transformation of the saints, 
about us being transformed by Jesus Christ. And this is what Pastor Joe taught us about last week from Colossians chapter 1, right? We're to become like Jesus by relying on Jesus to shine through us. And this is the foundational element of discipleship, whether it's personal discipleship or, or corporate discipleship, right? God is always more interested in our being and our becoming than he is in our doing, always, Right? We're called to be so dependent on him so that he can do his work through us. We do the depending, he does the doing. We do the abiding, he does the accomplishing. So that was our first vision priority, becoming. The second one is advancing. Advancing the gospel. And by that, we simply mean that we want to carry the gospel to as many people as possible in our immediate community and throughout the region. See, this one has to do with our mandate to make disciples. It's all about advancing the gospel. So, so how do we start with that? Well, we start by tilling the hard soil of a person's heart through prayer. We always start with prayer. We recognize that our natural efforts can never bring about God's supernatural results. Nothing in us can manipulate God to bring about supernatural results. God will bring that about as we rely on him and depend on him and trust him. So we pray. And we also could till the hard soil of a person's heart by pre-evangelism. Right? Pre-evangelism simply means uh, challenging the false ideas and, and false um, constructs that people have created about their uh, ideas about Christianity or Jesus or, or scripture. Right? And then after the soil has been tilled and, and turned, then we plant the seeds of the gospel in someone's life through evangelism. Right? So that's what we want to do. We want to see every single person in this room be equipped to engage your neighbors with the good news of the gospel. And it starts by praying for them, by caring for them, and then by sharing the wonderful way that Christ has been at work in your life. See, because God's goal is for the gospel to advance throughout our region. It's, it's not going to happen because your neighbor received a postcard in the mail from us. It's not going to happen because they checked us out online. It's not going to happen because they came and saw some stranger preaching. Or if you were here last week, they came and saw some strange man preaching. Let's see if he's listening. See, if we as a church are saying that we want to join Jesus, that we want to partner with Jesus in advancing his gospel in, in our circles, then in our communities, then throughout Ocean County and beyond, it, then it's going to happen not because of me, not because of any of the church staff, not because of any of the elders, not because of any of the pastors. It's going to happen because of you, the church. The work of the ministry happens by the ministers. The pastors are not the ministers. The pastors are the equippers, the body. You all are the ministers. So for you to advance the gospel in your own backyard is going to require your commitment. It's going to require your commitment to demonstrate care for your neighbor. It's going to require commitment to, to, to be compassionate and demonstrate that to your neighbor. It's going to require your commitment to actually get to the point of sharing the gospel with them and telling them about the wonderful way Jesus has been at work in your life. And then after you tell them all that Jesus did for you, you could tell them everything Jesus wants to do for them. So those are our two 
First two vision priorities, becoming and advancing. And our third one is overflowing, overflowing with generosity. And and simply what we mean by that is we want to be so generous with the resources that God has entrusted to us so that kingdom workers will be multiplied. You got this? Kingdom workers will be multiplied to do a multitude of kingdom work, all for God's glory, all throughout our region and beyond to the very ends of the earth. So this priority, this vision piece has everything to do with expanding God's kingdom. We want to develop and train and resource leaders who are going to expand God's kingdom in whichever capacity they find themselves leading. We want to raise up and support and send uh, global uh, gospel workers, whether that's locally or globally. And we want to continue planting churches. So we looked at our first vision priority last Sunday with Pastor Joe. Next Sunday, Pastor Dave's going to walk us through our third vision priority. So today we're just going to look a little bit at the advancing the gospel, our second one today. Our second vision priority, all with advancing the gospel. Now it's refreshing kind of when you're thinking about, all right, God, what do you have in store for us for the next five or so years? It's refreshing knowing that you're not alone with this, that our mission, though, you, our, though the vision is unique to Bayside, our mission is not unique to us. Our mission is really the mission of every church. So we're, we get to stand on the shoulders of mighty men and women of God who have lived and fulfilled this mission for the past 2,000 years. And we could trace our spiritual lineage all the way back and back and back till you get to Jerusalem about 2,000 years ago when the first disciples began obeying Jesus' commission to make disciples. So we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 1. We'll kind of cruise through the, 11 verses, the first 11 verses. And we're going to see in Acts chapter 1, Jesus gives his final marching orders to his disciples. Right, right before he ascends and leaves them, he, he tells them what they need to be doing, what they need to be thinking about, what they need to be focusing on. Now, the book of Acts, since we're just jumping into it real quick, it's basically the history book of the church. Right, It describes how the church got started, uh, what the purpose of the church is, how the church grew, and all that. And it was written in the early 60s um, by Luke, uh, Dr. Luke. Dr. Luke was a a medical doctor. He was an educated man, um, well-respected, and he was a good friend of the Apostle Paul and also uh, one of Paul's traveling companions. He spent a lot of time with Paul in the mission field um, and probably even served uh, as Paul's personal doctor, helping Paul after all the times he was beaten or stoned or shipwrecked or bit by snakes or all the weird things that happened to him. But the other thing is, not only was Luke a doctor, Luke was also a first-rate historian, right? He wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. So two volumes, Luke and Acts. And actually, if you combine those two, um, Luke is the winner for who wrote the most in the New Testament. Our minds want to go to Paul because he wrote a lot of books, but it's actually Luke. So Acts chapter 1, verses 1 and 2. In the first book, O Theophilus, I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day when he was taken up after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen. So what's the first book that Luke's referring to? His gospel. In the first book, O Theophilus, 
right? In his in the Gospel of Luke, in his first book, his first volume, right? And who's Theophilus? Theophilus is a name that uh, simply means friend of God. Now, Theophilus was likely a wealthy, um, well-to-do Greek or Roman believer, um, probably the one who financed this huge undertaking for uh, Luke, uh, for Luke to travel and research and document and investigate um, all that he did in order to write these two volumes. So Luke essentially gives us a summary of everything that was contained in his first volume, in the Gospel of Luke, right? And he says in that gospel, in that first volume, he deals with what Jesus began to do and teach while he was on earth all the way up to his ascension when he was taken up into heaven. Now, there's a subtle little uh, implication here in the text, right? If Luke's gospel, volume one, is all about what Jesus began to do and teach, the implication then is the second volume is all about what Jesus continues to do and to teach. But how does this work? How is this going to work? If Jesus isn't physically here on earth and he ascended into heaven that day from the Mount of Olives, how is this going to work? How in the world is Jesus going to continue his ministry of expanding his kingdom if he's not here? Verse 3. He, Jesus, presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. So after Jesus was executed and buried... He rose from the grave, then he went, ran around for six weeks. The resurrected Jesus went around for six weeks, appearing to his followers and proving to them in a bunch of different ways that he really was still there, he really is still alive, and he is perfectly uh, whole and complete. See, he wasn't dead in the grave like they feared. He was alive. He wasn't a dead corpse. He was the living Christ. So we could be confident in the knowledge that what we believe as followers of Christ, is actually rooted in history. It, it, it's historically documented. It's the birth, the life, the ministry, the death, the burial, the resurrection of Jesus are all backed by convincing historical evidences. Verses 4 and 5. And while staying with them, he, Jesus, ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you heard from me. For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. So the resurrected Jesus orders all of his closest followers to stay. He needs them to wait and to hang out in Jerusalem. They needed to wait for the promise of the Father. What's the promise of the Father? The promise of the Father. It's the Holy Spirit. The promise of the Father is the Holy Spirit, right? Jesus knew that his disciples couldn't do anything significant for God in their own strength. He knew that they needed the empowerment of God himself. In order to be about God's business, we need God's power, right? So they needed the same spirit that Jesus relied on during his earthly ministry. So Jesus instructs the apostles to stay in Jerusalem and wait, stay and wait, because he knows that apart from the empowering strength of his spirit, that the apostles are going to accomplish very, very little in their own strength. See, they needed to wait. They needed to wait to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. They needed to wait for Jesus to ascend. And then the Holy Spirit was going to descend and come 
and just it's going to be a mighty spiritual baptism that happens to these disciples. See, God's about to do a new work in the world, and he's announcing to the nations that the time of the kingdom, the time of the new covenant has begun, right? So important and so great is God's mission that he determined to send his spirit to break into the lives of his children and to take up permanent residence within us, empowering us to live a life of purpose and mission and glory to God. They were to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Now, baptize uh, simply means, it's, it's a, comes from a Greek word, baptizo. It simply means to be immersed, um, to, to immerse under. Um, so when you're baptized, like uh, in, in water, like believer's baptism, you're immersed under the water. So in that same way, the Holy Spirit was going to immerse them with his presence and with his power. He's going to entirely saturate them, right? Because if you ever seen a baptism or if you've been baptized, how wet do you get? Wet. You come out of the water and no part of you is dry. You're completely soaked head to toe, every part of you. Well, when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that's the same thing. The Holy Spirit covers you entirely. He gives you everything you need for life and godliness and living on mission intentionally, purposefully, graciously, and lovingly. Verses six and seven. So when they had come together, the disciples, they asked Jesus, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it's not for you to know times or seasons that the father has fixed by his own authority. See, the disciples still didn't have the full picture of what God wanted to do in the world. They didn't understand where God was going with all of this. They didn't understand God's plan to expand the kingdom to all the Gentiles. So, so they're, not under, uh, they're not really sure what's going on. They're really hoping that, all right, Jesus, uh, he, he, he raised from the dead. He's good. Um, he's not going to go to heaven. Now he's going to bring heaven down to earth the way we think, and he's going to restore the nation of Israel. He's going to pull us out from underneath Rome. That was their conception of what Jesus the Christ, the Messiah, was going to do. But Jesus reminds them that, number one, they can't know the times when God is going to bring about this great, beautiful restoration. So he warns his followers not to get caught up estimating when he's coming back or obsessing over end times events, right? We're not to be distracted by speculations about the time and date of Jesus' second coming. Instead, we're to be all about being credible witnesses for the gospel. Then you get to verse 8, which is essentially the theme verse for the entire book of Acts. But you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So the national kingdom that the disciples wanted was delayed. But Jesus is building for himself a global kingdom. The disciples didn't know this. They didn't know how much they were in store for. He, Jesus is building for himself a, a kingdom made up of people from every tribe, every language, every nation, every tongue. So he gives his disciples their mission. They're to be witnesses first in Jerusalem, right? That's their little uh, their little circle, their little community. Then they're to go into all Judea and Samaria, right? That's the next larger geographic area. And they're to then go to the ends of the earth. Now, what's a witness? A witness is simply someone who testifies to the truth. You're testifying about the truth of something that you witnessed. 
right? And interestingly enough, the word uh, witness um, is very similar to the word that we get martyr from. So Jesus here is, is calling the disciples to do things they've never done before, things that would have been otherwise impossible apart from the power and presence of the indwelling spirit. Jesus is asking them to cross cultural boundaries for the sake of the gospel. He's asking them to cross geographical boundaries for the sake of the gospel. He's asking them to to cross religious boundaries, racial boundaries, national boundaries. And see, the the success of their witness is not going to have anything to do with their own strength. Their success as faithful gospel witnesses only comes as they receive and rely on the power of the Holy Spirit to witness through them, right? It it doesn't matter what kind of evangelism training program that they would have had back then. None of that matters. Without the filling of the Holy Spirit, even the best programs are doomed to fail. So let's camp out on this verse for a minute, this theme verse here. See this mission that Jesus gave to his first disciples is the same exact mission that you and I get to join in. We are his witnesses tasked with telling others about Jesus. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you can't escape that. You can't escape your calling to advance the gospel. And as a church, we can never lose sight of this priority. Never. We can never lose sight of our purpose in advancing the gospel and making Jesus known. So what verse 8 actually does here, verse 8 reminds us of three vital truths that we need to always keep before us as we move forward in discerning where God is taking us for the next five or so years. And here's the first one. Here's the first vital truth. The strength for our mission is unlimited. Our strength through the indwelling spirit is unlimited to be effective in fulfilling the mission that God has called Bayside Chapel to. We need to yield to the Holy Spirit's control in our lives, to the Holy Spirit's control in our families, to the Holy Spirit's control in our church. And because the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, equal uh, in every way, shape, and form to God the Father and God the Son, he is not limited in strength because he is God. And we can know that he makes available to us all of his energy, all of his resources, all of his power, all of his strength. He says, you will receive power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, we need to resist the temptation to engage in work for God without relying on God. Because that's what we do so many times. There's a guy from the 20th century by the name of Vance Havner. He was a traveling evangelist and conference speaker. I love what he wrote. He talked about the church's need to depend on the Holy Spirit. Listen to this. He said, there's an appalling ignorance of the person and work of the Holy Spirit in our great church bodies. It's not what is done for God that counts, but rather what is done by him, the work of his spirit through our yielded wills. Today, we're afraid to prove God. We borrow the world's program and pep and propaganda and paraphernalia and personnel. But from the world, we cannot borrow power. The power that works the words of God. Too many of us today are shaky about what we believe, but not shaken by what we believe. Too many people assemble at God's house who don't really believe in the power of God. Never has the church had more wire stretched with less power in it. And then he closes with this statement. Our efficiency turns out to be deficiency unless we have his sufficiency. 
our efficiency turns out to be deficiency unless we have his sufficiency. The strength for our mission is unlimited. Here's the second thing. The substance of our message is undeniable. The gospel is undeniable. The meat of our message, the very substance of what we preach, the gospel of Jesus, is so utterly historically reliable. Right? Jesus said that we were going to be whose witnesses? You can, you can shout it out. His. Right? He said, you will be my witnesses. So Jesus is the subject of all of our witnessing. And there's a lot of substance there. A lot. So we could be confident that we stand on solid ground with Jesus' life-saving gospel message. Its historical reliability is completely unmatched. The Christian faith is grounded in historical revelation, and it's grounded in an actual historical, physical resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth. We can know with confident conviction that Jesus of Nazareth, who revealed himself to be Jesus the Christ, Jesus the Messiah, the Son of God, that he really did live a sinless life, right? We could know for sure that Jesus really did die on a Roman cross, taking the exhaustive weight of our sins upon his shoulders. We can know that Jesus really did walk out of that tomb in a flawless resurrected body. We can know that Jesus really did appear in a new, unmarred, undamaged body, not to one or two people, not to three or four or a handful or even a couple dozen people, but to hundreds of people, many of whom just a few days prior saw Jesus beaten and executed. They saw him get a a spear thrust right into his heart. And then he really did spend six weeks on earth following his resurrection, teaching about his kingdom and preparing his followers for the mission that he has for them, for for the beginning of what's going to become the single greatest movement in all of history. The single greatest movement that's going to transform men, women, and children of all tribes, of all languages, of all nations, of all countries, of all families. And Jesus really did ascend back to his heavenly home where he sits at the Father's right hand. Except this time, because he conquered death and because he resurrected, this time he's got the keys to death and Hades in his hands. And he's ruling over the entire kingdom with the highest authority of heaven where he lives at this very moment interceding for us on our behalf as our great high priest. Jesus is seated next to the Father. And though he's seated, he is not idle. He continues his work on earth through the church and the power of the Spirit. And when he's finished accomplishing his mission through the church, when he's done, when he says that's a wrap, he's going to stand up and he's going to step down. And you better believe that when Jesus stands up and steps down, the entire world is going to know about it. The substance of our Christian faith is undeniable. Listen to this quote. It says, Many Christians suffer from a horrible inferiority complex 
when they must confront the unsaved world with the claims of Christ. They bought the lie that the church is irrelevant in the scientific age. How wrong this thinking is. The church is the most important body in the world today. All of God's plans for this present age revolve around the church, and as goes the church, so goes the world. The true church will always make an impact on this world because it has the risen Christ at the head. The strength for our mission is unlimited. The substance of our message is undeniable. And third, the scope of our ministry is unbounded. Where God has called us to knows no bounds. See, Jesus said that we will be his witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and then to the ends of the earth. See, the story of Acts is how God's kingdom started in Jerusalem, how then it spread into all of Judea and Samaria, and then how it started then going to the ends of the earth and turning the known world completely upside down. See, Jesus is the king of an unstoppable kingdom. It's a kingdom that knows no bounds, and it's a a message and a mission that knows no bounds. But just as the original disciples Those original followers started in their own backyard in Jerusalem. That's where God has called us to start, in our own backyard, with our neighbors. See, God placed you exactly where you are to be a missionary in your community, to be a missionary to your family, to be a missionary to your neighbors. So how well do you know your neighbors? You know their names? One of them, two of them, three of them, all of them, none of them. You try to avoid them. (laughs) You see them go into their mailbox and you're like, I'm going to go to my mailbox. I'll wait for them to go in. I know I'm not the only one who does that. (laughs) Total introvert problem, sorry. (laughs) But do you know their struggles? You know their family? You know anything about their faith? Have you ever prayed for them? See, this is something that we really want to take seriously. God's mission for us to live as missionaries wherever he calls us to. Whether that's home, at our workplaces, at the coffee shop, at the barber shop, at the grocery store, doesn't matter. God has you where he has you for a reason. And the reason is always his glory and his good purposes. So will you commit to maybe starting to pray for your neighbors? Because that's the best way to start reaching them, is simply by praying. So there's going to be a QR code that flashes up on the screen. If you have a smartphone, you can go ahead and, and take that out. So this, uh, this, little smart, uh, this little QR code will take you to um, an app, a website. It's called Bless Every Home. So what this will do is it will uh, enable you to create an account, uh, connect your account to Bayside Chapel, and then punch in your address. And every day, it will send you a, an email reminder to pray for your neighbors. The cool thing is that you could actually pull up a map uh, and see all your neighbors. You get their names. Um, and then, as long as you sign up under Bayside, when it's all said and done, from our end, we could pull up a map to see every single house that has been adopted. Every single house that y'all have committed to pray over. So the goal is to pray over your neighbors and you'll get some, um, 
You'll get some prayer prompts and stuff in the email from uh, Bless Every Home. And then the whole goal is to then uh, get opportunity to care for them, to, to love them, to, to somehow minister to them, all then leading to the opportunity to share the gospel with them, to share what Jesus did in your life. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your education is. It doesn't matter if you've never taught a class in church. None of that matters. Just simply be a witness. Be a witness. The same way a witness would, an eyewitness would on a witness stand. You just tell the truth of what Jesus did in your life. Leave the results to him. So if you don't have a smartphone and you want to join this uh, prayer initiative, you could also go in the app. There's a little button in there. Um, I was told before that some of these kind of messed with the QR code. So I'll move that. If you've got to scan that. But this is really cool. I definitely encourage you all to, to sign up for this. And then when you get a chance, after praying for your neighbors for a little bit, you could actually like drive by or like prayer walk. Like don't be a creep and go knock on their doors. Like I've been praying for you by name for the last six months. Might not work. But this is an incredible opportunity that we have as a church um, to corporately pray for our neighbors and pray for those who God has called us to be a missionary toward. And then Acts 1 finishes with this. It says, And when he had said these things, as they were looking on, he, Jesus, was lifted up, and a cloud took him out of their sight. So Jesus goes up, up, and away. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes, and said, men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. What a glorious promise of Jesus' second coming. Amen. So, like the disciples, let's get our head out of the clouds and focus on what Jesus has called us to do. We are spirit-fueled saints called to make Jesus famous. The strength for our mission is unlimited. The substance of our message is undeniable, and the scope of our ministry is unbounded. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for everything that you've done for us. Lord, how so magnificently, so, so sovereignly how you've been um, orchestrating things uh, in your universe for thousands of years to bring about redemption for the most amount of people possible. And Lord, thank you that you have invited us into that mission, to join you, to participate with you in making Jesus known in our neighborhoods, in our communities, and beyond. Lord, I pray that as we move forward these upcoming years, Lord, continuing to discern what it is you have for us what it is you want for us. God, give us clarity. Give us sensitivity to the leading of your spirit. And God, I pray that you would sear into each one of our hearts a burning desire to see all of our neighbors come to saving faith. Lord, we really do want revival. 
in our region. We want to see revival, but we know for revival to happen, that which is dead needs to come to life. Lord, so we pray for all the spiritually dead that you've called us to minister to. Lord, that you would begin already by your spirit, softening their hearts and minds. Lord, that the prayers that the saints of Bayside Chapel are going to lift up in the months ahead, Lord, that you would honor those prayers and do a mighty work in our midst. We pray this all for the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray, amen.